We are going to uh, begin today uh, a series. It's a six-week series. And how many have ever read the book of Romans? Okay. Um, as you know, there are a few good spots in Romans, right? Um, it is packed. I remember uh, when I was uh, younger, well, not that much younger, a few years back when we were in Kuwait. And I don't know, we, we thought we could kind of get through Romans quickly for some reason, and it just didn't work well at all. <laughs> uh, just felt like you were leaving things out. And so in six weeks, we are not going to go through the book of Romans, so you can rest easy. Um, but what we are going to do is we are going to look at one chapter. Um, I heard this said once, that all of Scripture is like a beautiful ring. Romans is the jewel, and Romans chapter 8 is the sparkle. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take the next six weeks and simply walk through Romans chapter 8 together. And again, I think it is one of the, the Romans is great, and then chapter 8 is, of course, just a, a very um, foundational piece to the Christian faith. Uh, many, I've heard, you know, preachers say different times, like, you know, and again, we're not, you'll hear what I'm saying, not taking away any scripture, but if you had to go without, you know, all of it, like if you were left with the Gospel of John and Romans, you would land in a pretty good spot. <laughs> and so, you know, I want to encourage you if maybe as you look at your Bible and the thickness and you're intimidated, those two places are really good, good, good books to start with. Really know the book of John and really know uh, Romans because they are, again, they're essential and they, they really cover a lot of the bases of the Christian faith. But as we look at Romans 8, we're going to see that um, the Apostle Paul is he's, he's declaring and, and he starts out right from the get-go that there's no condemnation for us when God's spirit dwells in us. And, you know, we're going to walk through this idea, and it's the start of that, that um, chapter, and it's going to carry through that theme. And we're going to, I'm going to start today, and typically, you know, when we do a series on a book of the Bible, we go through the whole book. Um, and we usually start with a lot of background. And I do want to start with some background on the book of Romans as a whole, because I believe it's going to be helpful. So we are going to do a little bit of legwork this morning as we kick off the series um, so make sure, if you're not here, you go back and listen to that. Okay, <laughs> tough crowd, thanks. All right, just want to check if you were with me. You answered that question <laughs> with loud silence, so that's good. Um, but, you know, we are going to look, uh, again, at this, at this book of Romans in chapter 8. And, you know, when we, when we talk about us as, as Christians, you know, we have to, one of the most pivotal moments in our history is the Protestant Re Reformation, and when we look at that a little closer, it actually began as a result of Paul's writing this letter to the church in Rome. The book of Romans uh, played a big part of that. In the early 1500s, there was a Roman Catholic monk, and you may have heard of him by the name of Martin Luther. And he found echoes of his own wrestling with his soul within the pages of Romans. He was in Romans, he was studying it, he was sharing it, and it began to do something in him. Luther was trained as a lawyer, right? Anybody appreciate that? You read the book of Romans, you're like, yeah, well, that kind of makes sense. But he was trained as a lawyer, he was, he had, and he had this powerful encounter with God when he was actually nearly struck by lightning. So, again, he was kind of rolling along. He had this, this near-death experience. He then became a priest and a monk, 
And the interesting thing, though, is, is while he was um, uh, functioning in that capacity, he actually nearly drove himself insane because he was trying to make himself righteous in God's sight. He's, you see, he, he possessed this fear of God, but again, we talk about the fear of the Lord, and it is a good thing in the context that we talk about, but his went to an extreme where he was terrified of God. And so it resulted in endless prayer, right? And again, I know the word of God says pray without ceasing, and we should do that, but he was like to an extreme where he would constantly, you know, he couldn't even like engage with people around him because he was always in this, in prayer. And he even went into severe fasting. And again, fasting is great in the, if, in the right context. And if God's called you to that, fasting is good. But he had severe fasting to the point where he had intestinal problems as a result. He had many sleepless nights where he would stay awake. He would expose himself to freezing cold conditions. And he would even beat his own body in an effort to atone for his sin. And while we sit here and listen to these things, you know, we may think, you know, I, I don't do all those things, you know. But in some ways, we, if we're not careful, we can kind of fall into that pattern, can't we? Meaning we do things because we're trying to somehow measure up in God's eyes. And, you know, we're not just fully resting in the work of the cross, but we feel like, you know, we have to do all these things. We have to do all these works so that we're somehow more accepted to measure up to God. And, you know, Martin Luther, again, he was in this cycle and it was it was really bad because you know he was hurting his own body god was not in that and he was missing the beauty of the cross but it was while teaching on romans at the university of wittenberg in germany that the holy spirit showed up and opened his eyes <laughs> and isn't that how god does it you know there was it was when he was just kind of doing his job and you know wasn't in one of these crazy moments that i just listed that the Holy Spirit showed up, and this is what he described it as. He says, I felt that I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through open gates. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And it shows that, that God cared enough about him and knew the plan for his life, that God knew exactly how to intervene, even when he wasn't really seeking God in that moment, and God showed up and met him, and he opened his eyes spiritually. And he said, and particularly, it was actually in Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 17, and the thought that this, this is, this is the part that got him, that the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. And that's us, us you know. And, and, you know, you may be thinking, maybe what comes to your mind is a scripture where it says, you know, faith without works is dead. But works simply should be a response to what God has done inside of us, not the other way around where we do works to somehow build credit with God. And so here we see that you know, he, he began his eyes, of the eyes of his spirit began to see this for the truth that it was, and this changed everything for him. And, in, and it became really, in a real sense, the doorway for the entire Reformation as we know the story of Luther and the thesis he nailed to the front of the church building. And so the takeaway from all this, though, about Luther is that he discovered that righteousness truly is a gift from God, and it comes by grace and faith in Jesus Christ, and is not something that is earned or merited. 
And we can't, in our own performance or morally or anything like that, somehow conjure up <laughs> this righteousness. And this is where we get the, the, the phrase, if you've heard this, the justification by faith, right? That we are justified, that we are found, we are made right before God by our faith in Christ Jesus. And for some of us, that should free us this morning. <laughs> it should be a good reminder that, that it's through our faith in Christ that, that we have been justified. And, you know, one more part I'd like to just share with you is, as Luther, had, he did a commentary, obviously, on Romans. <laughs> um, and this is, he wrote this. He said, it, being Romans, he's talking about, is the true masterpiece of the New Testament and the very purest gospel, which is well worthy and deserving that a Christian man should not only, or woman, a Christian man or woman should not only learn it by heart, word for word, but also that he should daily deal with it as the daily bread of men's souls, for it can never be too much or too well read or studied, and the more it is handled, the more precious it becomes and the better it tastes. And this is, you know, kind of what I was, was, was speaking about earlier, you know, about us and where we're focusing our time and attention, and again, while having an awareness of things happening in the world, I hope that you are, you are just as much, if not more, <laughs> giving that same time and attention to the Word of God. You see, we can get sucked into our social media feeds and we can start scrolling and we can be there for hours, right? You don't have to nod, I, I know. <laughs> just keep looking at me. But I want to ask us this morning, you know, are we, are, we, are we giving that same time and attention to the Word of God? Because God wants to speak to us and God uses his word to do that. But we have to make that space. And just like my wife shared, you know, the busyness of life and our different situations and the different responsibilities that we have. And a lot of things are good even in our life. But are we, are we carving out that space to be with the Lord and letting him minister to us? Just a little bit of background on the book of Romans. Um, it was written by the Apostle Paul around 57 to 59 AD. Um, Romans, again, it is a specific letter or, or letter to this, a specific church for a specific purpose. And that church of, obviously was the church in Rome. And Paul was writing to the church there. And the church there was believed to be, have been birthed from Jews and Gentiles uh, who were present in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. So remember, everybody had traveled to Jerusalem and the day of Pentecost took place and many of them went back to their, their home uh, uh, dwellings. And so they believe that, that that's what spurred on the church in Rome or what, how it began. Now, again, it's, it's, it's important for us to remember that in Rome, there was kind of two halves of the church. There was the Jewish side, the Jews, and then there were also the Gentiles. And so they were trying to make this work, and so a lot of the writings are, are really just giving that foundational, those foundational points of what it looks like to walk out the Christian faith. And so that was, you know, Paul's intent, and so it became what it is today. You know, Paul was really, he, he, what his desire was, was to prepare the church there to become co-laborers with him. Um, and so he was, again, laying this foundation. After uh, the church began in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, and, and as it grew and, and, and believers spread out all over the region, 
there was a need to set up what they called outposts, like places where, because not everything could always get back to Jerusalem, because as you know, in that time, it's not like you can pick up a phone or set up a Zoom call um, to just interact with the leadership. And so they had to put people in place that, that were godly, that they could trust and, and teach them. And so this is, this is part of that. And so Paul, again, summarizes who he is when, when you begin in chapter one, uh, three things that he's committed to, and then we're gonna jump into chapter eight here. But three things that Paul is committed to is one, his calling from God, the ministry, his ministry was not his idea, his concern for the church. Again, he believed that God wanted them to be partners in the gospel. He wanted, we, we, they, they all needed to partake and be a part of it. And also his understanding of the gospel. It was the only thing that could save the world. And so, again, he wanted um, people to know that this was where his commitment was. And so today, uh, again, if you can turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Where we're headed, and I'll give you kind of the big idea, is that you know, God has transformed us from people really whose lives were marked by death all the way to where now we're, we're walking with people whose lives are marked by life. And I believe... Um, Again, even watching some of the, the news and some of what um, is being said, that, again, th some of the leaders of Hamas and things like that, if you've watched any of those, where they basically say that, that they're, they pursue death like we pursue life, right? Again, I'm kind of summarizing what they're saying. And to me, that lines up with what I'm saying here is because we, before we knew Christ, that, that was our pursuit. Now, again, we may not have done it as aggressively as they are, but we were headed towards death. And I hope you, I hope you understand that. I hope you hear that today. You know, you may not, you may walk out of this room if you don't know the Lord and, and, and live, but ultimately that life leads to death. But if you know Christ and Christ has saved you, he has saved you from eternal death and separation from him. And so that's why when Pastor Santiago got up earlier and he's telling us to praise, that we need to praise the Lord, that's why we want to raise our voices and praise the Lord. Well, thank you. <laughs> because when we walk in here, and he, I remember he asked the question, and again, I know you guys are kind of just waking up maybe a little bit, but he said, do you have anything to praise the Lord about? And can I tell you, you know, I don't care if your life looks like a country song right now, you have something to praise the Lord about. Why? Because it's all going to end well for you. <laughs> right? When you get to eternity, and you're in eternity with the Lord, it, this all fades away. Right? You're not going to think back, man, remember that time I lost my truck and my belt buckle and my dog, my, my wife left me, and, you know. And so, church, I want to challenge us today, myself included, that when we gather together, to, be, to remind ourselves that we have much to praise the Lord for. No matter what we're facing, no matter what trials we're going through, no matter the things that we don't have, because a lot of times that's what we focus on. I think the trump card over all of it is the fact that we have eternal life in Christ Jesus, and that is reason to praise the Lord. Amen. And so let's be in that place when we come together and we worship God. So as we get into Romans 8 here, there, there are three words I want you to draw your attention to before we get in, and I'm going to come back around at the backside and, and define them more thoroughly, but um, 
Again, there's three words, because this is what you're going to see. And anytime, just some basic Bible study 101, anytime you see repetition of a word, it probably means that there's a significant uh, point that the author is trying to get through. Okay? So you're going to see some words repeated. You're going to see some, some words that come up over and over. And here they are. The first one is the word spirit. Spirit. Okay? So everybody got that? What is it? All right, we're on our way. The second word is flesh, right? We say flesh? Okay. What's the first one? Okay, okay. So spirit and flesh, you're going to see. And then there's one other word, and the word is for, F-O-R, for. And I'm going to give you just a little bit of context for this one. The Greek contains a word here that is translated, it's because or for, depending on the translation that you use. And what it's showing is that there's a building here, right? Every time you see the word for, it's kind of springboarding off the previous statement. All right, you understand? And so we're, I want you to kind of be aware of that and see how that comes into the picture. Now, eight verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 1 begins with, of course, a therefore. <laughs> and we all know with a therefore, you got to figure out why it's therefore, right? So we're going to have to back up into seven. So you all with me so far? Sounds like a pretty, we're going to be like jump, jumping through hoops and whatever, an obstacle course. But it'll be fun. Just like the bouncy obstacle course that's going to be here for Trunk or Treat. There you go. That's what pastors do. We do. We can always find it at the end. So without further ado, we're actually going to go to chapter seven. If you have your Bibles, just go back one chapter right at the end. And we're going to jump in uh, at verse 21. Now, this comes on the tail end of what um, I affectionately call the doo-doo verses. If, if some of you know what I'm talking about. It's funny because you read it. You think you're reading like, like do, what, can you just get to the chase here? Because that's the where Paul is like, you know, I do what I don't do, but I don't do what I want to do. And so when I try to do it, I don't do it, but then I do it and don't and do, right? That's my paraphrase, all right? But it's, it's funny. So I call it the doo-doo verses. Maybe I'll write a book about it someday. But, um, but yeah, so it's, he's just come through that. And, and again, as you probably have caught, if you just think, why, who is this crazy man on stage or the platform right now? But, um, but what Paul is trying to get across, and I think we can relate, right? Because we go through life, and I don't know about you, I'll just talk about myself right now. Is there, I, I, re, I totally get that. There are things that I know that I should do. There are things that I know that God has called me to do, and there, I know that I need to spend time with him, and I know that I need to do this that, to be obedient because he's called me to do that, yet I don't do that. And then there are things that I don't do that, that I know that I should, right? And then there are things, sorry, I got mixed up with myself. And then there are things that I do that I should not, right? And I think a lot of times maybe that's where we land. It's like, why did I do that? Why did I say that in that conversation? That's not, that's not the heart of God. Why did I get angry like that, right? I'm not alone, right? At least three people in here, okay? So again, so I think we can relate with that. So as he's coming out of writing all this, this is where we're jumping in now, verse 21. I'm gonna stop talking. I'm gonna let the scripture speak, all right? Verse 21. So I find it to be a law, a law that when I want to do right, Evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members, and again, this is talking about his flesh, another law, 
waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. 24, wretched man. Listen, he is, he's crying out to God, like those pictures of you know, David in the Psalms when he's crying out to God. This is Paul now. So he's crying out, wretched man that I am. Because he's frustrated and angry. And man, I don't know about you, but I've been there. Like, what is wrong with me? And this is Paul's heart right now. He's crying out, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So again, if you just read Romans chapter 7, it would be pretty depressing. It's focusing on all the sin and, and the junk. But this is where Romans 8 is going to come in now, right? And so again, turn the page or flip the screen or check it out on, on the, the thing up there. Romans 8, here we go. There is therefore, all right? There is therefore. Now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Somebody should probably say amen. amen. <laughs> Thank the Lord, right? Because man... I don't know, I shouldn't say, I'm not going to say that, sorry. I'll get in trouble. Anyway, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind of the on the mind of the flesh, sorry, the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, I thank you, Lord, for <clears throat> just this moment right now. God, I thank you, Lord, for just, the, just how your scripture and your word just washes over us and is refreshing, and what a great reminder, Lord, for us today, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that we are encouraged by what is shared, and God, I thank you so much, Lord, for what you're going to accomplish in these next few moments in our hearts, in Jesus' name, <clears throat> amen. A man entered a bar, and again, this is a joke, right? A man entered a bar, and bought a glass of beer and then immediately threw it into the bartender's face. Quickly grabbing a napkin, he helped the bartender dry his face <clears throat> while he apologized with great remorse. I'm so sorry, he said. I have this compulsion to do this. I fight it, but I don't know what to do about it. You had better do something about your problem, the bartender replied. You can be sure I'll remember you and will never serve you another drink until you get help. It was months before the man faced the bartender again. When he asked for a beer, the bartender refused. Then the man explained that he had been seeing a psychiatrist and that his problem was solved. Convinced it was now okay to serve him, the bartender poured him a drink. 
The man took the glass and splashed the beer into the bartender's astonished face. I thought you were cured, the bartender screamed. I am, said the man. I still do it, but I don't feel guilty about it anymore. <laughs> I want to go out on a limb, and I'm going to tell you that this is not what no condemnation means, okay? And as funny as that story is, I think some of us are laughing because we know that we operate like this, right? Come on now. That we do things and, and we know like, well, okay, I just kind of did it again and it doesn't feel quite as bad now and you know, it's, I don't feel guilty about it anymore. And can I just tell you that that's a very dangerous place to be? <laughs> we keep kind of coming back and coming back because again, we're not dealing with the heart of the issue when that's the case. And while we no longer live under the guilt and condemnation of our sin, the way we live out our lives should continue to become more like Christ, whom is, is our example, right? I say it often, I'll say it again, you know, if we use that line, well, that's just the way I am, that's not a good line to use. Because <laughs> basically we're saying, well, God can't change me. God can't, you know, correct this thing in me. And you know, we see here that, that that's not the case, that God can do those things and God wants to do those things. And so we need to understand, again, that God has transformed us from people, again, whose lives, as I said, were marked by death to now whose lives are in Christ Jesus. And so people should be able to see that in us. Doesn't mean that we're perfect, but they should recognize the life that we have in us through Christ. For those of you who are football fans, again, you think about that person that makes the big play or scores the touchdown. You know, the, the, the cool thing is, is that the person that scores, the whole team gets the credit, don't they? Even the people that are on the bench get the credit. Even those, you and my, you know, yourselves and me that are sitting at home watching on TV, we get the credit that our team just scored. Even though we have no paycheck and no physical talent to even be on the field. So we, we get that credit from someone else. And as you know, we're talking about Christ and what we receive by being in Christ Jesus, that's kind of a simple way to look at it. Let me go just to scripture for a moment. Anybody's heard of the story of David and Goliath? Right, most people probably have. And if you haven't, we'll give you a quick snapshot. But again, there's this giant Goliath and he was chosen by the Philistines to represent the Philistines. And then he challenges... Right? He puts out a challenge and he says, choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Right? Sound familiar? Imagine the people's faces as David walks out onto the field. Right? Right? can't even see. He's like this big. That, and again, remember, he wasn't just going out to like fight and he was either going to win or lose. He was representing the whole nation, all the people. That was who was going to represent them against this huge giant Goliath. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I know many of us, when we look at this story, we see ourselves as David, don't we? 
When you're facing that big mountain, you're seeing that thing that you're fighting against, you know, that's your Goliath and you're the David. And if you've used that in the past, there's no, there's no condemnation here. It's okay, but I wanna help you understand what it's really saying, because here's the deal, listen. See, David represented all of Israel, and maybe this sounds a little familiar. You know, you know what David did for a living? He was a shepherd. The Lord is my, okay. Guess where he was from? Bethlehem. You know what else? He was going to be king one day. And he was going to face this giant on behalf of all the people. Somebody just learned something today, didn't they? You see, he was their representative, but this was also a type and shadow, right, of what Christ has done. And just the same way that David went out there, his victory was credited, it was imputed to those that he represented. And so all of Israel could say this, that that in David, even though, again, they themselves never actually participated in the battle, they got to celebrate in the win and the victory. And the same is with us in Christ. That's exactly what that is showing. Because you think about Jesus, and it says that he was really nothing to even look at. The way he walked his life, he came to serve and not to be served. He washed the disciples' feet right before he went to the cross and died. But again, this is that the victory that he won. And that's why we are found, have found our life in Christ Jesus. Amen? And in the work of the cross. So back to those three words, and we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here in just a minute. That the three words, what was the first one? Anybody remember? Okay, spirit. And again, that is the spirit of God that is living in those who have relationship with God through Christ Jesus. And that's, you know, Paul is really driving this home. That when we come to the Lord and we're we're saved and we, we have Jesus enter our lives, that the spirit of God enters our life and, and, and dwells in us, and we are found now in Christ. And that word, the second word, flesh, remember that? And again, remember that we have different parts of our body. We are, we are spirit. And we have a, a, a soul, which what I would say is our mind, will, and emotions. And we live in this physical body. And when you are saved, your spirit is sealed. You, it is made new in Christ. But our body, our flesh, there's still a sin nature, right? That's what those things are. That's the doo-doo verses, right? That's where we're, we do things and we're like, why do we do that? It's our sin nature, And in between is our soul. (laughs) That's our mind, our will, and emotions. And again, I've I've, I've preached a little more deeper on that before if you want to check that out sometime. But but really quick, again, you think about your mind. Can your mind be deceived? Yes, it can. Let me help you. Yes, it can. Can your will be deceived? You think you're doing right, but maybe not? Yes, it can. Can your emotions? Hello. I just don't feel in love anymore. You're a fool. (laughs) Just stick around. It's going to get better. <laughs> it can all be deceived, right? Because it's, it's, it's kind of in, the, in between. And so we're re- that's why we're supposed to renew our mind, remember? 
That's why we need to be in the word of God. So again, so all these things, again, are happening, but this flesh part, our sinful nature, it's still there. And that's why one day we will be given new bodies that are whole, amen, and not fading <laughs> and hurting. So again, we see this. So we see kind of this, this comparison. And we saw these, these fours in here, and that was all building up. I have some really good notes here I'd love to share, but we're getting short on time. So come back next week. Um, but at the end of that, and in, 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 in verse seven, let me go to verse six. Actually, we see that you know the, you see this comparison basically happening between um, uh, the the mind that is set on the flesh and the mind that is set on the spirit. You know, spirit and flesh. It's like this this thing, but they're not. It's not an equal battle. Just so you know, but it's spirit and flesh. And in verse six, it says, it says, you know, the mind that is on the flesh, it is equal to death. Right? When our mind is set on the things of the flesh, when our mind is set on the things of the spirit. That equates to life and to peace. And so be encouraged today that if we, when we go to those places, and that's why I'm encouraging you even now with everything happening in the world, go to the word of God and find that, that, that peace and find that life that you need because that's where it's, it's found. And in verse seven, it, and it says, for the mind that is set in the flesh is an enemy of God. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I do not want to be an enemy of God. It's an enemy of God unable to please him. You remember that commercial? I think we're, a lot of us are old enough. By the way, I was at a table last night and mentioned Tom Selleck, and they didn't know who I was talking about. I'm like, how do you not know Tom Selleck? They were like in their 20s. Yeah, I know, exactly. I just, I was shocked, shocked. But do you, may, do you guys remember that commercial, you know, this is your brain and the butter in the pan? Are we, am I in, can we at least go there? Okay, so you had the pan and the butter was frying, or the butter was sizzling, and then this is your brain, and then they say this is your brain on drugs, and they threw an egg in the pan, and right? Still holds true, by the way, in case anybody was wondering. Um, but this is your brain on drugs. Well, again, that's what is being said. This is your, your mind, right? When your mind is set on the flesh, it's that egg, <laughs> okay? It's that egg, and it's not good, and it's cooked, and it's bad. And so we need to have our minds set on the things of God. We need to have our minds set on the things of the Spirit. You see, repressive power, there's, there's this repressive power of sin that is in the flesh. And if we're not careful, church, we can, we can kind of ditch it into that side and we begin to walk in the things of the flesh. Even though we're saved, we can still, that flesh nature wants to come out, right? And we can't live there. Because if we turn to God and we, we, we turn our mind to the things of the Spirit, we begin to experience his presence. And again, we've been hammering this home for weeks now, right? About talking about relationship with God and coming back to that place and the, the simplicity and the sweetness of just walking and communing with the Lord. That's where we have to be. That's where we discover life and that's where we discover our peace. As we close this morning, I want to encourage you today that we must learn to live confidently in that knowledge that, that God has redeemed us from all our sins. Whatever it is that you're facing today, whatever struggle it is, whatever mistake you've made, that God has given you the power and the ability through Christ Jesus, not you because you're great, but because Christ is so good, that there is power to overcome that sin. And if you're here this morning within the sound of my voice and you've messed that thing up, you know, 77, 78, 79 times, well, guess what? God is right there and he wants you to see victory over that. 
And don't stop coming back to that place of giving God that, that space and trusting in his word and his authority. Because understand this, if you're not careful, we can get caught up in the things like where, you know, yeah, if you just think it enough and you talk to yourself and you believe in yourself enough. No, if I believe in myself enough, I'm going to fail. <laughs> it's when I put my faith and my hope and my trust in the God of this universe, the God who created me and you and the one who saved me when I could not save myself. That is where I find victory and success. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for your word, for the fact that there is no condemnation. God, I pray, Lord, just that, that your church, the people here, Lord, today that know you as Lord and Savior are reminded of that fact, that they're encouraged, that their spirits, Lord, are, have been edified and that they've been built up. And God, anyone here today, whether here physically in this room or watching online that has not made that profession of faith, has not asked you, Lord, invited you into their lives to be Lord and Savior, that they may truly be in Christ. Much like one would put a jacket on. It's, 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 that's what it is, looks like, God, as you come in and you enter our lives. And we are now found accepted before a holy God because of the work of the cross. And if you're here this morning and have not prayed that prayer, I invite you just to pray even now to the Lord. Confess your sin. Confess that you're a sinner. Acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, that he died on the cross and on the third day rose again and now sits at the right hand of the Father. And ask him to come into your life, to fill your heart. And he will by his spirit as we talked about earlier with, with Luther and the experience that he had as, 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 as the Lord showed up by his spirit and flooded his life, the same can be with you this morning. God, and we just pray now, Lord, that they're truly, God, that, that what was shared today has landed on good soil, God, that we would be encouraged and that we would press into you in every area. Lord, places that mistakes have been made, Father God, or, or that same thing, Lord, we pray that, that you would truly show us, Lord God, and empower us, Lord, to overcome, Lord, those sins. God, we recognize, Lord, that our flesh can be strong, but God, we know that you are stronger. God, I pray for each one here, Lord, this morning, that they will continue to press into you, that they will continue to seek your face, Lord God, to know you, to have relationship with you. God, we thank you for this morning and for this message. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. 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 Would you stand?